You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Good morning. You'll have to get, forgive my red eyes. I got a little weepy there at the end, the end of the service, the worship, chatting it up. Let's pray. <laughs> Let's just start off with prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, God, to know you more. Because ultimately, Father, that's what we're after. We just want to know you more. And God, I pray that today you would open our eyes and our ears to see you and to hear you in ways that maybe we never had before or even couldn't have imagined. That you would set our hearts on fire. That we would be more passionate for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like that what the Lord is speaking to all of us this morning is a simple question. And that is, do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper? Throughout scripture, if you, if you read through scripture, there's kind of like this underlying whisper of the call of God saying, come on, come deeper. You can know me more than you think you can. You can know my heart in greater ways than you think you can. I think of the the description in the book of Revelation, there's a description that's kind of lofty, but it's this idea of the throne of God. And it says that there's these angels that say, holy, 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 all the time around the throne of God. And they never stop. I'm like, there must be so many aspects to God that we don't ever see, that we haven't experienced, that they can keep saying holy, that they can keep having a reason to want to cry out to him. And I know so often we kind of, We don't have a reason to want to draw near because our hearts aren't burning with passion for him because it feels more like a duty or a religion. And I'm hoping that this morning that God changes that in our hearts, that he lights a fire inside of us, something in us that causes our hearts to burn more for him, not out of a religious act, not out of some duty that we have to do, but simply because we want him, because we want more of him, because we desire more of him. From the beginning to the end of scripture, there's this voice throughout the Bible saying, come, come. Last July, I was kind of having a time with the Lord, and he had called me into a season to quiet down. I have a tendency to get very busy in my schedule, and this was just a time where he was just like, you need to chill for a little while. And it was during that time that I was just seeking the Lord. I was just having time in my house with worship music on, and I was talking to him and reading my Bible and just making space to hear And I had this picture pop into my mind during that moment. And it was the Lord, and he was standing at the entrance to what somehow I knew instantly was like a cave. But if I went into that cave, it would lead into like a labyrinth of other deep caves, you know. And he was going, Courtney, come. I want to show you more. But every time I would try and come, I I would like snap back. And then I saw in the picture that there were like three things, like holding me. And I would try to draw closer to him and I would snap back. And then he began to speak to me about the things in my life that were holding me back from being able to really draw near with him, to learn more about him and to go into that cave, into the depths. The psalmist writes in the book of Psalms, deep calls unto deep. He's calling us deeper this morning. And I believe that if you want him to, if you simply ask him to, He will set your heart on fire with a longing and a passion to know him more, to desire him more. Because there's something that's supernatural that happens as we get alone with God and we make space for his voice, for his presence, for what he wants to do in our life. And it's supernatural and it takes our lives from being mundane and turns them into an adventure. I don't know about you, but I have one 
chance at this life. Like, I don't get to redo tomorrow. It's done. And to, and, 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 or yesterday, <laughs> it's like, hold on, that didn't quite work the way I was planning on it. I don't, <laughs> well, I won't get to redo tomorrow either, for that matter, once it happens. We get each day one time, one time. And I can either live a mundane, ah, geez, I got to wake up and spend 15 minutes reading my stinking Bible because somebody told me that that was what I do if I'm a believer. And I should probably pray for someone today because that would be nice. And Jesus did that. Or I can live this unbelievable adventure with God. This thing where I wake up in the morning and just even before you get out of bed, like, hey, Father, God, I love you. Thank you that I'm awake this morning. I'm alive. Another day. What could happen today? I know it's on the schedule, but with you, anything is possible. So what could be possible with you today if I'm just listening for your voice, God? If I'm just wondering what you want to do today? Even acknowledging that you're right here with me. Even while I'm standing up here talking to y'all, he's right here next to me. Because he knows that I need him to be. And he's the same for you. And he takes every moment and he can turn it into something supernatural and adventurous. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But first, I want to give you an example in scripture. Mary and Martha... I love the story of Mary, though more often I find myself relating to Martha. And I was walking through Wednesday night. So if you were here Wednesday night, I peeked through the window as I was going to teach dance to the gyms girls. And I did see that Josh talked a little bit about Mary and Martha Wednesday night. So if you were here, then the Holy Spirit must really want you to know the story. (laughs) So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In order, in my opinion, to fully wrap your arms around this story, you have to put it in cultural context. And and for me, I read this story for years, but a couple years ago, I was preparing a message on shame, and I really dove, dived into this story a lot more. And when I did that, I ran across something that had changed this story for me forever, and that is this. In the culture of this time, women were not at all equal with men. Women were not even considered citizens in in the way that a man was. A woman had no control over her life. The men in her life, whether it be a father, an uncle, or a husband, a brother, they are the ones who controlled a woman's life. A woman had no standing even within the Jewish religion. So a woman would not have been permitted to sit at the feet of a rabbi, which is the way that they saw Jesus as their teacher at this time. That place was only reserved for the male disciples. Did you hear that? So the way that I like to picture this story is this. Mary opens the door to let Jesus in and Martha, and then Martha goes running off doing what the women do, right? She's preparing the meal. She's doing the work. She's doing what the women do. And Mary's like, oh, maybe I should help Martha. But then she starts to hear this voice, and he's teaching, and he's taking the scriptures that she's heard read her entire life in the synagogues. And somehow, as he's teaching them, it's not just words that you hear when she goes to the synagogue, but they're, they're taking on this life. They're taking on this meaning like she's never heard it before. And I can see her like standing at the outskirts of the room and just kind of like 
inching a little closer. You know, like, I just want to hear it a little more. I just want to get a little bit closer. And she gets closer and closer until finally it says she is seated at his feet with all the men. That was scandalous in those days. Scandalous that she would have been permitted. But then Jesus did something even more crazy. He honored her right there. He said right there, looking at her, one thing is needed. I'm, I'm hearing myself there from this, from, it's like feeding back. It's like, it's like the recording. I'm hearing like the first service right there. <laughs> Can you hear it? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> like I'm talking to myself right there and it's not like on a recording. Okay, thank you. And so he acknowledged in front of all of the men and the women, no, no, no. Her sitting right there listening, just listening to my voice. That is the one thing, the one thing, no matter what your gender, that is needed, and it will not be taken from her. The one thing that he desires of any of us is to sit at his feet and to listen for his voice. And he's never going to take that away from you. Worry, busyness, whatever else that consumes our lives, those things might. But the instant that you ask to be in his presence, he will be there with you in a heartbeat. The instant that you're driving down the road to work and you just begin to speak to him, he will be there with you. He wants to be with you. Just like Antley said last week, it's so hard to think that he doesn't just love us, that he actually likes us and enjoys us. In the first service, a young man came up, and he was talking about when we were singing, I see your face, you're beautiful, that when he was standing in the congregation singing that, that the Lord flipped that on him. And he was like, no, no, I don't remember the the guy's name, but it was like the Lord was saying, no, I see your face, and you're beautiful to me. So often we don't see God's desire toward us, but his desire is towards you. He wants your heart to burn for him. In Luke chapter 24, if we go on, we see another story of the the disciples. And this is after Jesus has been crucified and they've buried him. And so far, they think he's dead, right? And so they've all gone different places. Some have left Jerusalem. Some have stayed in Jerusalem. They're all hiding because they're afraid they're going to die. Except for the women. The women have gone back to the tomb, but that's another message. And so, <laughs> and so in Luke chapter 4, or 24, excuse me, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And then Cleopas goes on to tell everyone what had happened, right? He's telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. So if you skip down a little bit more in verse 25... Jesus responds to them. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. See, there was already something in them that wanted to be near him. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he sat at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Now watch this next verse. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There's something that happens when you listen for the voice of God and you become accustomed to hearing his voice. There's something that happens in your heart that only happens in intimacy with him. It only happens in that place. Like John, one of the disciples in the Bible where it talked about he would lean his head against the chest of Jesus. He wanted to be close to his Savior. He wanted to be close to his Father and his God. And there's something that happens in our hearts in that place that only happens in that place where our hearts are set on fire for him. And when they were walking on that road, they had not felt that feeling since he last broke bread with him, with him right before he died. And they had the last supper. That was the last time that they had had that intimate place with him where they could hear his voice. And then all of a sudden, this man appears on the road and begins to expound on the scriptures to them. And something begins to happen again. And they're like, we should have known it was him because there's only one voice that does that. I can relate to that feeling so much. There is nobody that makes me feel like Jesus does. There is nobody that makes my heart come alive and deals with all the mess like he can do. That can look at me and say, I love you and you're beautiful like he can do. He can cause your heart to burn within you with a passion for him that is unlike anything you've ever experienced. But you have to ask him. So many people are like, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel that passion. Have you asked him? Have you said, Jesus, set my heart on fire for you? I promise he will never say no. Have you said, Jesus, I don't care what it looks like. I want to be passionate for you. He'll never, ever push you away. He wants your heart to burn for him. So in your everyday life, how does that translate? How does your heart burn for him in the everyday mundane and the big situations that sometimes happen in our lives. I told a story in the first service of when I was newly saved, I gave my life to the Lord and, and just radically like hopped paths in my life when I was 18 years old. I was on my way to New York. I was moving like just weeks later to pursue my life's career up there, and I just jumped tracks like a train, just boom, and, and just fell madly in love with Jesus. And I started a month later this Bible college program where we would study the Bible during the day and then we would do like ministry in the night and it was this Bible college program. And it was amazing. I always call that time like when you're fishing and you have to set the hook, you know, so the fish doesn't get off. That was Jesus setting the hook in me (laughs) because he knew I needed it set really hard. And so about five months into that program, um, there was some rules, guidelines to be in that program. Like you couldn't date and you couldn't drink and most of us were underage anyways. You couldn't, there was rules, right? And so about five months in, my brother came home from college and my parents were out of town. My brother threw a big giant party at my house and I was at my house 
And I just sort of hopped back about six months and had a very, very good time at my brother's party. And then I woke up the next morning and went, ah, dang, you're not allowed to drink in my program. They're going to have to kick me out of the program. Like, because I knew they had already let some other people go for other types of breaking of the rules. And I was like, ah, man. So I called the leaders of my program. And I was like, I've never done well with guilt. So I was like, I just need to come clean. Like, they just need to know I screwed up. So I called the leaders. I went to their house. I sat down. And I was like, you have to kick me out of the program. And they're like, what? 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 What are you talking about? I was like, I got drunk at my brother's party last night, and we're not even supposed to be drinking alcohol, and yeah. And they were like, oh, my God, you know. And I'm still really good friends with the leaders of this program today. They were really precious. So I got the boot, kicked out of the program, or released gently. And I knew I had a choice then, because I'd only been on this new path for about five months, right? And I was like, now what? I thought like this was going to be my trajectory. I had this passionate encounter with Jesus that set my heart on fire for him. And I was going to do this Bible school and just take off and whatever wonderful ministry God has planned for me. And five months later, now I have let go of my college scholarship. I have let go of my apartment plans in New York City. I have let go of everything. And now Bible college has shut the door. And now here I am. Now what, God? I thought, I thought. I thought, but see, there was one difference. My heart still burned within me for him. That could never be undone now. That could never be changed because I did not get like, re- like dedicated my life into religion. Like I got thrown into a passionate bunch of people that really love Jesus. Thank God, because it is what set me and held me during that time. And I was like, okay, I can't stop pursuing you. That's all I know is I can't stop pursuing you. I may have just given up everything. Like what idiot gives up a full ride to scholarship to now go volunteer at some missions ministry, right? Because now I have nothing to do with my time every day. Me. So I show up at this place the next morning where my father, he worked with the guy anyhow. It's a missions overseas thing. And I show up there at their local offices, and I'm like, I just need to be here because I don't know what else to do with my time, and I can't go backwards, so I'm just going to be here. And I went, and I, I was like, just give me some time because I'm really upset. And I had Delirious Live and in the can. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, right? Thank you, Paul. I was like, another Brit should at least know this CD. So that was like my favorite CD at this time, Delirious Live and In the Can. And they have this song at the end that is still one of my all-time favorite songs, and it's called Obsession. And it starts with, what can I do with my obsession? And that was the only way I knew to describe. You should ask. There are actually people that go to this church that knew me in college. <laughs> and, then, um, and then they found out I got saved, and they were like, sweet Lord, Courtney. And then I became this just obsessed with Jesus and his love because of the way it radically changed me. And the words in the chorus of that song say, but my heart, it burns for you. My heart burns for you. My heart, and they sing it over and over again. It gets louder. It's so powerful. So I put that CD on and I listened to that song on repeat for probably an hour, just laying there going, God, help me. Don't let me panic. Don't let me go back to my old life. Don't let me try and make my own way now, God. I need to be with you. I need to hear your voice. I need you to guide me. That is intimacy. It's as simple as as laying on a couch with a pair of headphones on and a little disc man. That's how old I was. 
and laying there and asking Jesus, help, help me. I can't do this on my own. And do you think he like stood there like, Psh, you're the one who got trashed, sorry. No. He came rushing into that, the presence of God. I just lay there weeping in the presence of God because he was so precious. Because he loves us. He loves us. And so now, all these many years later, I can't imagine serving Jesus without my heart burning for him. Because who wants to do that? Who wants to like wake up early in the morning to read your Bible or pray because somebody said you're supposed to, as opposed to waking up in the morning like, oh man, I'm stinking tired, but maybe God has something new to speak to me today. What adventure does God want to set my life on today? Adventure, adventure. Man, thank God they kicked me out of Bible college because I would have still been in Bible college. And instead, as I continued to seek the Lord, God gave me the vision for this art school that was this, I, don't, I can't even get into it. We don't have near enough time. But for like 10 years, we had this amazing adventure of that art school. And then he plopped us into another adventure that allows us to travel around the world and preach the gospel. He has an adventure for you, but that adventure is birthed in his face. It's birthed in his face. My husband preaches this message on the breath of God and how from the beginning when God formed us out of the dust of the earth and he, in Genesis, if you're not familiar with that story, the beginning of the Bible, God makes man out of the dust of the earth and then he breathes life into him. And then when Jesus died on the cross and says it breathed his last breath, and changed everything for us. Why? Because God never intended to stop living face to face with us. That is where he wants us. So Jesus came to make that possible again. He preaches that message way better than I do. And way longer. So for me, I don't do well without being with the Lord on a regular basis. And what being with the Lord means, a lot of times, anyhow, is I, I, gotta, I gotta have time. I gotta have time with him. Now, sometimes that's in the shower, driving my car, doing the dishes, or whatever. Little, like a sponge that's just soaking in water, just filling it in wherever I can. But that, for me, is not enough to sustain me. Because I get, I get whacked out after a few days of not some concentrated Jesus time. Like, I start getting worried about life and you know, everything, motherhood, whatever, whatever comes to weigh us down and to worry us. So I have to have time before my children wake up and everything changes (laughs) to be with Jesus. I have to. Does that mean my kids wake up at 6.30 in the morning? Does that mean it's fun at 5.30? Not, maybe not right at 5.30 when the alarm goes off, but I have a trick for you if you're a morning person, because if I try to have my quiet, my time with the Lord, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to use some trite phrase like quiet time. I call it my Jesus time, whatever you want to call it, right? If I have that time that I have set apart to sacrifice, to to be with him at night, I'm not a night owl. That doesn't work for me, but I have friends that that works beautifully for, or your lunch hour or whatever. I encourage you, if you've never done that, take, make the sacrifice to just test God. Give him a piece of your time and say, Jesus, will you meet me in this time? Will you meet me in this time? Wherever it is, however it is. For me, I set that stinking coffee maker the night before. And when I hear that little ding, 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 
Suddenly I can do what I could not do before and get out of that bed because I know there's going to be a piping hot, fresh cup of coffee right there, Brazilian coffee, ready to sustain me. (laughs) Really, the minute I go into my little place where I pray and I just sit down and I try really hard not to like go in with my little agenda and walk in and be like, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) These are my 15 prayer requests, Jesus. But I try really hard to shut up, which is hard for me, and sit and say, okay, what do you want to say, Jesus? What do you want to talk about today, Lord? You want me to read my Bible this morning? Are there people you want me to pray for this morning? Maybe I just need to sit with my journal and write thoughts as they're coming to me. God, this is your time. What do you want to do? And I'm telling you, for me, it's the most exciting thing ever. Because I never know what he's going to do. I might just sit and read my Bible one morning. But man, this happened just this morning. I was just flipping through and all of a sudden it was like, holy cow, I've never seen that before. Literally, I was like about to bust on my couch. Because I saw this thing in scripture I had never seen before. And maybe one day I'll preach it. I don't know. But it takes it from being boring and mundane to being alive. Do you think these people did what they did and stood to be tortured and martyred because of ritual, because of discipline? They were in a love affair with God. He had wrecked their hearts. He had saved them. He had pulled them out of the miry mess and set them on a rock and said, you are worthy because I call you worthy. I don't care what others have spoken over you. I say you are worthy and I love you and I have a plan for your life. And if you will stay right here in intimacy with me, then nothing will be impossible for you because I will breathe life into you and I will heal your broken places and I will speak visions that you can never dream up all on your own. And I will teach you to love in ways that you cannot love others, but I can love them through you. And I'll teach you to love yourself. So I encourage you today, intimacy with God is not a religious act. It is your entire life laid before him, desperate for him. He's calling you to go deeper because there's an adventure awaiting for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you smile for sure. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, the way you pour yourself out over us, God. I pray, God, that you would do what only your Holy Spirit can do in all of our hearts. Open our eyes and our ears. And set our hearts on fire to long for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.